So first of all, Josh, just tell me a little bit about yourself and Nustruck. Yeah, I'm the uh, talent acquisition manager for Nustruck and Equipment. We're a uh, network or family network of uh, dealership, heavy-duty dealership group uh, for Mack and Volvo trucks. So we sell, um, service, and sell parts and maintain our customers' vehicles and trucks and uh, help keep the transportation industry rolling. Nice. And what's the makeup of the team over there on the talent acquisition side? So there's there's three of us in HR. There's the director, uh, Joe Spire. He's uh, an old customer of mine from back when I was on your side of the table as an HR tech vendor. Um, he was at Burlington Northern Railroad uh, as a regional leader for them. Uh, he and I collaborated for many years on uh, recruitment uh, success for them. And then uh, there's Megan, uh, who is my equivalent on the uh, employee relations benefit side of things. And then there's me. So there's really three of us. Um, okay. A trio to do all the uh, the hiring, firing, and everything in between. Got it. So you're you're the main one then leading up the recruiting charge. And I think I yeah we should also preface this by you and I go way back. I don't know the, you know what was it like 2012 or 2013 or something yeah. the first time we met. And yeah, you were working for a vendor. Which one was it again? I was working for Jobdig, uh, which was a recruitment media company out of Minneapolis. Um, they're still in business today. Um, they go by link up. Um, they did sell off one of the big product lines to Adzuna. So a lot of the, there's a few staff members that were there when I was there that are now uh, Adzuna uh, employees and they're uh, doing really well. Um, it started with uh, print and online recruitment advertising. We added radio, TV, social media, grew into link up, um, which was a job aggregator to rival Indeed, we had hoped. Um, uh, they turned it into Get Work, um, which was, you know, an area based solely up of co corporate career pages. I did that for a long time. It was there for about uh, nine years um, and then went and flipped to the other side, became a, a practitioner and uh, now get to impact the, the message, the spend, you know, the engagement of candidates and, and bring success to companies. What made you make the switch from the vendor side to the practitioner side? <laughs> well, I'd love to say it was, you know, somebody came after me, but no, um, I got laid off, unfortunately, like uh, we're hearing about many these days. Um, and, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of recruitment advertising companies here in central Minnesota uh, or Minnesota in general. Uh, so instead, I, went, I flipped to the, you know, help my old clients with what they were doing. But instead of being a vendor, do it within their walls, give them back that control and the spend. Um, one of them that I went to was St. Cloud Hospital, um, helped them change off of being a, uh, uh, reliant on an ad agency. They were with TMP. I said, we could do this in house and, uh, you know, ended that relationship and they're still doing it to this day where they're, you know, doing everything on their own. It's uh, been working great for them. Um, worked for a couple other companies and then landed at one of the largest healthcare companies in Minnesota, uh, Fairview Health, where I was a recruiter there. Um, brought some of those same techniques and talents um, and changed how they were doing things. Um, and now uh, they're still going today. They've got a much more robust team since I left mid-pandemic to come to transportation. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it is a shift going from 36,000 employees to less than 400. Um, but it's still a blast. I still get to do my stuff every day, do my jam, uh, and have a good time with uh, me and my team. That's awesome. And what a great story. And so tell me about, you know, the company, right? So you're in transportation. Well, mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about before the episode kicked off here um, that you guys didn't shut down the whole pandemic. So just curious what that experience has been like. Um, I'm sure, you know, the transportation industry I know was, was booming for a while there. 
Well, it still is. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's recession proof. We say um, when people were going to work from home and, and this and that during COVID, um, trucks still needed to be fixed. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't have an overhead crane to pull a semi trailer engine out of um, just to make sure that people can continue to get their toilet paper and food products. Um, so we were busy. Uh, we didn't lay anybody off. We didn't have um, you know many people. We had non-essential staff work from home, like you know, accounting and HR and some of those. Um, but anybody who could work in the office, um, we did. We just socially distanced. We made it uh, effective in work. Yeah, we had, you know, COVID go through our dealerships. We couldn't avoid it. Uh, we tried to make make sure all of our staff were as safe as they could. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've, we were seeing, we're seeing, you know, uh, great highs in our business in all lines, whether it's uh, service or parts. The only thing that's really been affected um is new truck sales because they supply chain issues, you know, uh, components for new trucks weren't being made. The factories, you know, had been shut down, uh, but we're starting to see that starting to come back. Um, and so that's being a, a huge, Im, you know, impact for us and a plus. Um, and we're obviously seeing great hiring because of some of those efforts. Yeah, that's great. So tell me a little bit about some of the hiring. I know you said you're about 400 employees now. Is there sure. a target for this year or what's the outlook? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're keeping on, on the, on the, on the gas pedal. Um, last year, uh, in 22, we hit a number of records in hiring. Um, our previous highs were 82 hires in a year. Um, that was 2018 pre pandemic. Um, we hit 103 hires, a number that has never been seen in the history of this organization. Um, and of that, what is really a good number for us, which was, uh, hiring 57 diesel mechanics. Our previous high was 32, um, huge growth um, in a very struggling area where diesel mechanics are hard to find. Um, we uh, we slayed it. You know, I, I've been hearing for from our you know competitors and others in the industry that they were struggling to find quality mechanics, and here we are, not only hiring them but hiring them in record numbers. Uh, it was a great year for us. What can you attribute that to? That's awesome. Um, you know, I, I attribute a little bit to um, engagement. You know, engagement's a big thing for us, uh, especially a big thing for me. Um, finding a way to uh, correlate and connect uh, with the candidates themselves, whether they're skilled mechanics that are maybe looking for a change after, you know, pandemic, recessions, you know, all of those elements that just plague employees. Um, but then also uh, cultivating new talent through partnerships with uh, select schools across the country. Um, you know, we've built a relationship with our uh, OEM uh, partner schools, the manufacturer schools that have a Mac and Volvo specialized program, um, but then also our our community and technical colleges around the state of Minnesota. We've been able to foster a great relationship with instructors, um, engage the students early and pre-graduation, and show them the culture that we have here at NUS and the the tenure that they can have within their career here, and been able to land a caliber talent right out of the gate and. Uh, drive drive their careers early. And is that something that you didn't see others across the industry doing or was that a new initiative? Um, you know, I, I see some that that, you know, plug holes. Um, you know, I, I I bring this vision when I came here, I said, God, I told the leaders, I said, if you want somebody just to plug holes, it's not for me. So we'll find you somebody else to do this. Um, I said, when I hire for you, I want to make you better tomorrow than you are today. And the leaders, you know, jumped on board. They're like, yep, great idea. So we go with each hire lockstep on that same premise. 
And so when we're out there looking at these candidates and talking to the talent, and when we take a step back after an interview and say, all right, how does this person make us better? There has to be one factor at least, or else we don't move with them. Um, and so by going with that, we see that increase in talent and that caliber. Um, some organizations are willing to plug holes because they need to get, just get trucks moving. That's not for us. Um, you know, when you're a, you know, truck owner, you choose to go to the dealership, much like a, a consumer chooses to go to a dealership like, you know, Chevy, Ford, whatever, for the high caliber and the quality of the work that's driven. The same thing here in heavy duty diesel. Um, these trucks are worth a lot of money. And so people want them fixed to a certain caliber um, so they know that they're, they can be relied upon and help deliver for their businesses. And so hiring a caliber talent helps us do that and ensure that for those customers, which is why they choose to come here. That's great. And I love the mindset that you've created as well. Like, you know, obviously it helps you position yourselves to get really good talent, but it also positions you to have really good buy-in. It sounds like from your leadership team, uh, which hopefully then results in, you know, bigger investments in, in recruitment spend, uh, but you can justify it. Uh, yeah. But I love the approach of just, you know, thinking about like, does this person make us better as an organization versus we need to hire this person to fill a spot on the roster. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, how the best organizations grow their teams. It's how they do it in sports. Um, nope. And it's no different in companies. I know you're a hockey guy, so I know you could, you can relate to that. Oh, definitely. You know, I, 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 I can't just fill a lineup. Um, I have to fill a lineup with the right people. Um, you know, and, and, you know, every so often I, I take a step back with each hiring leader and say, all right, where's your team at? What can you use? Can you use, you know, new talent, like an intern? Can you use new grad talent or can you only fit skilled, experienced talent? Um, and they'll tell me, you know, green, yellow, red, what can they take? Um, you know, and so that gives me a barometer when I'm going out to a school, like I'm heading out to Colorado next week. Um, and driving up to Laramie, Wyoming to visit a specialty school. And I need to know what dealerships can take it. So when I'm talking to a student and they say, hey, Josh, I want to live in Roseville, Minnesota, I can say, well, he can't take a new grad or he can. He can take three new grads right now. Great. We align the talent. We align the vision. So that way, if I can't fit them, we can still make a connection and bring them in or I can introduce them to the leader when the timing is right. Um, it's great to be in alignment with the candidate right out of the gate, um, good or bad, whether I can hire them or not, um, because it may not be a yes today. It could be a yes tomorrow, five years, 10 years from now. Yep. So uh, having those stories and having that information, it really, you know, leads us well. Yeah. And it's good transparency to manage expectations for candidates too, um, because also, you know, one, they'll appreciate that. So maybe there's not an opportunity today, but maybe there's one tomorrow. Um, so it's, it's good for yeah. relationship building. So, you know, I think there's a, a good parallel there with, you know, we talked previously about how you're a hockey coach, a few different teams you've got going on. So what are some of the similarities or things you bring from coaching? Cause I'm hearing it and just in listening to you talk, uh, to your position at work. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I do a lot, uh, away from the, from, from the office is, you know, strategy at hockey. I you know I've got a, a second year Bantam, uh, he's 13 years old, eighth grader. Um, more of a finesse style player than the grinder, greedy type of st you know style. And so we sit back and we talk a lot about strategy, X's and O's, where, you know, where to develop, where to, where can plays go. Um, and so I do that not only with my leaders, but I also do it with my candidates. Um, I had a young man yesterday who sent me his resume. Uh, he's the brother of a current employee. And I looked at his resume and he had a bachelor's degree in environmental studies and 
had worked as a student worker somewhere and, you know, worked for a, a window company and a, and a construction company, nothing even related to a diesel mechanic. And I said, okay, how do I help this kid? And, you know, I said, all right, is this what you want to do? You want to do diesel? Yeah, I, I really, you know, like what my brother's telling me. I, he says great things about your company. I'm like, okay, well, there's, here's the path that you can get here. You can go to diesel school and get an associate's degree, or you can try to find a job working for a, a general repair shop or a fleet somewhere. Um, you know, those are two ways to get in here. I said, but I can't necessarily do just bringing you on as a diesel tech right now. I said, another path would be is to come in in a, you know, inventory or customer service sales role uh, in parts, learn the business, use the tuition reimbursement to go back to school. That way you're not only getting from us now, but we're giving to you and, and building upon your career. And so it's that same idea of strategy. How do I get that person here in the long term if I can't do it in the short term? Um, and he's like, yeah, I appreciate that. He goes, yeah, you, you can't hire me today, but you've given me the keys to the kingdom to get there. Very much like, you know, talking X's and O's with a 13-year-old about sure. the game. So it's it's fun. I en I enjoy being able to break that down. Um, and same thing with leaders, you know, talking overall strategy. Um, because it recruitment for many can seem like a very much transactional process. And it's not. It's very relational. Yeah. Um, and you have to, you know, find a way to relate to all different parties in the process. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of uh, it's kind of fun. Yeah, that's great. And that's what I see often when talking to recruiters is oftentimes, you know, some of the best recruiters uh, have very similar interests or interests that align with recruiting, but in their personal lives. So for you, it's coaching and it's talking strategy, X's and O's, it's player development, um, it's leadership right outside of work. And those are the strengths that then you bring into your recruiting process. Um, I was talking with uh, somebody the other day who uh, right now he works for a um, a workout program company like with gyms all across the country. Sure. And before that, he was in uh, military recruitment for like 17 or 18 years. And the thing that was interesting is even though the industries are so different, was that he applied a lot of the things from the culture in the military of like being a part of something bigger um, to the recruitment process at the gym. And so I think it's interesting of like these different, um, you know, things that while they might be so different, like for you, hockey and recruitment, like there's these parallels that help you in your recruitment and these strengths that you can pull from. Yeah. I mean, it even goes back to when I was on your side of the table as an HR tech vendor, you know, being able to relate to non-buyers, the HR professional that you sell to each and every day. Um, I have to sell to non-buyers. I mean, I have to sell vision of what a career could do for somebody within our organization, for somebody who doesn't even know who we are. I mean, I can be in El Paso, Texas, talking to a guy who's about ready to graduate about coming up here to the Arctic tundra of Minnesota <laughs> to build their career and invest in their family. Um, you have to be able to be relatable. And, you know, it was no different when I was, you know, selling, you know, recruitment advertising you know, being from Minnesota, calling a random company in Chattanooga, Tennessee, about what we were doing and, and have to be relatable to them and what their situation was. So, yeah, there's so many parallels and ways that you can find a fit. Um, and we do that with talent. You know, they may not fit up the box that we need them into, but sometimes we can find an abstract way to make them applicable to what we need to do, um, give them that vision and have them join us. 
And that's what the best talent teams are doing, right? It's strategic, it's relationship driven versus transactional, right? Fill a seat, yeah. move on to the next. And that, you know, will end up showing too in your retention numbers, right? Um, because yeah. you're thinking about it from a more holistic standpoint versus I got to fill a seat and that's kind of it. Um, so, all right, let's talk about the hiring process a little bit uh, yeah. over at the company. Tell me, I mean, it sounds like, you know, you're running a lot of it yourself, right? So, and you've yeah. got to make, you know, last year you made a hundred plus hires. Um, I mean, how do you do that? What's the hiring process look like end to end? I'm sure it creates a it, lot of, can, you know, you got to hire vary. that many people. It's, it's a big challenge. It, it is. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, far simpler than my, my last one at Fairview. Uh, I mean, there we were doing 9,000 hiring transactions a year with uh, a staff of 20 recruiters. You know, I, I go from 20 hires a month as a recruiter on my own seat to maybe nine or 10 a month, um, you know, 20 a week. I mean, it's just crazy to see the the shift in, mm -hmm. you know, volume, but the quality still has to be the same, um, you know, and that's how I look at it. I can't look at the numbers um, because, you know, there it was, you had to bring on a number of people because patients hung in the balance here. It's you know, Susie down the road getting her toilet paper or not because the truck that delivers it is in our shop. Um, that's the same, that's the philosophy there. And so we still have to deliver quality. And so I break it down. Um, you know, one of the things that I try to do is I try to do the one call close. The sales guy still comes out to me. I wanna, I wanna land the talent right away, but I do it through the relationship and, and painting the picture at the very first phone interview. Um, we try to actually simplify the process Many organizations will go through multiple interview layers. Ours can be as simple as a phone interview with me, an interview with the leader, and an offer is made. It can be that simple. Um, I've done it the same day where I called a candidate and I said, hey, you got excellent credentials. Are you able to come in? They come in that day. We meet with them. I already have their offer ready to go um, just in case everything goes well. And they get an offer before they even walk out the door. That's the exceptional side that doesn't happen as often. Sure. Something I strive for. Uh, that's the competitiveness in me that comes out when, when I can do those. But I know, like in sales, time kills all deals. And so if I can reduce the number of hurdles by doing a simple outreach, phone interview, in-person interview offer, um, we're that much more likely to get the opportunity or get the, the person to come to us. Um, I know that, you know, a majority of the people that I'm hiring in these mechanic positions, which is most of what I spend my time on, they're working somewhere else. They're not unemployed sitting on the sidelines. They're working for somewhere else. And I have to put out a compelling offer that competes with where they are right now. And they're comfortable where they are right now. So they want to come join us. And so, um, you know, those elements can be very easy when we do it often. Um, so where the, where the pause happens or where the, the sticking points are is making sure that the offer that I'm making is compelling enough to them to make them want to change, whether it's the, the pay may be up or down from where they are, benefits may be up or down from where they are, PTO, all those elements, but is it one where they see a future and a victory for them by coming here? Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's a pretty simple process. Um, you know, overall, yeah, I have some sticking points. My, my ATS gives me heartache, you know, from time to time. Um, in some of my tools, you know, give me a, a issue from time to time, some stress, but we found some ways to simplify um, our technology stack and, uh, and bring victories.
Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, it sounds like you've got a, you know, pretty straightforward interview process, like you said, just a couple of steps, um, really efficient, which is important because you need the people, you need them fast. Um, you also need to balance quality, like you said. So from an efficiency standpoint, at least what I'm hearing from you is number one, remove unnecessary hurdles in the interview process. Like don't have unnecessary yep. interview steps. It's just going to drag out the time to hire. Um, but also, you know, reduce the friction with decision-making. So for the candidate, right? So for you, that's, it, it yep. sounds like it's a couple of things. Of course, their offer, make it compelling. It's gotta be competitive. Otherwise, like that's the price of admission. Otherwise they're not gonna make a move, yep. especially somebody that's already got an existing role. Um, but the other thing that I'm hearing from you is, and, and maybe even more important is um, transparency around the vision and what a career path looks like here. Um, and that helps reduce the friction of decision-making because it's not left up to their interpretation. So what I gather from you is yeah. it's all about like being really transparent with the candidate and building that relationship and that trust. And that's what then helps you move faster in the hiring process because it removes these unknowns for somebody that could, you know, make them waffle on a decision and cost you to lose a candidate or, or just, you know, flat out lose days or weeks in the process. Yeah, very much so. I mean, one of the ones that I've done recently, I had a, a guy that I was hiring for from uh, South Carolina. And, you know, he was excited to, to come up here. He was excited about what we do, um, the specialty in which that we offer, the opportunity to become master trained and certified. And I said, you know, you're married, because he told me. Uh, I said, what does your spouse think? He goes, well, she had, a, she had some questions. And I said, put her on the phone. You know, and so he's like, hey, babe, you know, come over here. I've got the recruiter from Dust on the phone. I'm like, you know, great. I said, let's do it. Puts her on speakerphone. I said, hey, you know, my name is Josh. I'm the, you know, recruit manager here. I said, what do you want to know? What do you want to know about the area? What do you want to know about the dealership? You know, what can I answer for you? And she asked me a, a list of questions and I answered every single one of them. I said, you know, I'd be remiss to ask, what do you do? Are you stay at home? Do you have a career? And she goes, yeah, I'm a dental hygienist. I'm like, oh, great. I said, Here's a list. I'll, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a list of job opportunities in the same area around home where you guys could, you know, you know, maybe planning on living. I'll send them to you. And if you have questions about any of the employers, let me know. I may have some recruiter friends in, in mind. Who does that? Yeah, that's um, epic. I've been I've been doing that for so long in my roles because when I was in healthcare, I knew out of the 80 percent females that I was hiring into these roles, they were likely bringing a significant other of some capacity. Um, and asking them, what did they do? And if I'm moving them across the country to a hospital that they have no connection to, um, helping them build a career. I mean, I hired a nurse from Texas and her husband was a civil engineer. I connected him with two companies. He landed a job with one of them the same week that we offered his wife. So they moved up here, both had careers, had their kids in school. I mean, it was fantastic. We're doing the same thing here at NAS because I know it's not a one person show all the time. And if we can ease that burden for both of them, I've got buy-in for two, not just for one, and uh, it makes it that much easier. So, um, you know, that sometimes that added investment of time and effort um, can mean just a huge, huge benefit. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I don't hear a lot of people talk about that. I think, you know, a lot of folks just consider the candidate and ask them what's on their mind. And they may not, you know, be ready to say, oh, my 
significant other is concerned about X or, you know, I got to think about my kid's situation with Y. And so, yep. you know, by listening and asking the right questions, you can get to the root of, you know, what's really maybe causing them some pause. Cause you yeah. know, your typical recruiter might say like, what does there even think about? I'm offering them more money. Like it's a great opportunity. You know, all these things are so great and they're only thinking about them and their company and the offer that they're giving. And they're not considering all of the factors that are going into the decision for that individual candidate. And it's not yep. just a solo person decision in a lot of time, in a lot of cases. I, you know, Josh, I look at it like the way that we would hire physicians. The way that physicians are hired is a little bit more white glove treatment. Even though these mechanics, for the most part, you know, are just, they're not white glove style. I still give them the same kind of care and consideration as I would have a, phys a physician because they're as important to our organization as a physician would be in healthcare. Um, you know, and that little extra care and consideration leads us to that greater victory. I mean, here at NUS, we are lucky in the fact that the average tenure of a mechanic is 10 to 15 years here. Wow. That's a long time. And we've got guys, <laughs> and we, had, we, we had just one the other year or last summer that retired after 45 years with this organization. That's unheard of. We don't see that anymore. Um, and so if we can maintain that 10 to 15 year average tenure, we're going to have so many victories. Um, and it starts by doing that time and doing that investment and care and consideration um, because, we, you know, it, it's, a, it's a whole people, whole family move many times. Yep. Yeah. And the retention piece is huge, right? When you have people that are around that long, the knowledge that compounds and how that translates exactly. to business results is it's astronomical. Um, yeah. So, so that's, that's a great point. And a lot of the things you're saying, you know, are probably big reasons why uh, you were able to hit such great hiring numbers, you know, for the past uh, year, like you mentioned, hitting a bunch of those goals while, you know, other competitors um, or folks in similar industries were struggling to get talent. Um, yep. So that's great to hear. And so on the quality piece, one of the things I'm curious about, you've got a very quick interview process. Um, mm -hmm. You've nailed efficiency. You've nailed candidate communication. So as far as hiring the right person for the role, phone interview uh, with you, uh, interview with the hiring manager, how do you guys collaborate like, so you know exactly what you're looking for. Are you asking any technical questions or are you evaluating something else before you pass them on? Yeah, I'm going to look for, you know, certain, you know, um, elements of, of, of caliber of talent. You know, I'm asking, you know, what are they, what have they worked on? What kind of equipment um, are they, do they have any master certification or training? Um, do they have a, a CDL, you know, or DOT inspection certifications? So I'm asking some things that are very simple and tangible. Um we do give them a mechanics assessment. Um, it's not overly arduous. Um, it's 50 questions, um, but we get a sense of what they know how to fix. Um, but then whether they're, you know, A caliber or C caliber, you know, mechanics, no matter who it is, they get partnered with a master mechanic when they come in the door the first day. And so that master mechanic is really going to get a better idea of what they know how to fix. And so then what we do is after a couple of weeks, we grade them A, B, or C. And in the end, we look at how many A's and how many B's, how many C's per dealership did we hire? And then, you know, where do we need to move? And as we're looking at existing talent, are they A, B, or C caliber talent? And then we look at, all right, 
we have too many C's right now. I need to look at A caliber talent to hire for this particular dealership. We're constantly looking at that stuff. Um, and then each year we give a review back to the uh, not only the leaders themselves, but also our executives so they know what we've done overall. Um, yeah, I'm very competitive. I'm always looking for A caliber, but you know sometimes a leader will risk on a C uh, and build them up to an A through that training, um, the master certification opportunity, and build our talent along the way. So, um, yeah, we do ask you know some you know questions to get to better handle of what they may or may not know. Uh, we give them an assessment. Um, so we do some things to to gauge that early on, but then we you know we we'll roll the dice. We'll take an opportunity. And uh, we'll make somebody better over the over the long haul. Yeah, and then having that benchmarking helps you measure it, right? Um, so yeah. then you know, okay, I've got this feedback from the people who are actually working with this person every single day or managing this person, and now I can adjust my hiring process accordingly or adjust my hiring plan because I know I got to get some A people into this um, location. And then you can, like you yep. said, communicate that to leadership, um, which showcases you know everything that you're doing. It's not just oh, we made. 103 hires uh, this year, it's we made 103 hires and after X weeks, their managers have graded them X, Y, Z. So we've got X yep. percent A, Y percent B, Z percent C. Um, and so you're able to really showcase the results more so than just, you know, filling seats. So, um, yep. yeah, you guys are doing some awesome stuff, man. I'm impressed. Uh, uh, although I, I should say I'm not surprised in knowing you for all these years. Um <laughs> But congrats! Sounds like Thanks, uh, sounds like you're doing some really cool things. Yeah, no, it's it's been fun. Um, you know, I I get to not only do all this every day, but I get to work with a good friend of mine. You know, my boss and I have been buddies for 15 years. Obviously, we had that vendor con uh, customer relationship, and uh, we found a way to uh, to make it work for us to to collaborate uh, each and every day. Um, so it's fun. Uh, I'm I gotta say I'm blessed. Great. Well, Josh, thanks so much. This was awesome. I know all the viewers are going to love all your insight, love what you guys are up to, and just really appreciate your time and the friendship uh, from all these years. And hopefully I can catch you at an event coming soon. Yeah. Look forward to seeing you uh, maybe in uh, Vegas for Sherm 23 or maybe Unleash here coming up this spring in Vegas. Uh, HR Tech. I mean, there's a plethora of events that we'll tend to find each other at. Yep, yep, sounds good. Well, looking forward to crossing paths, and thanks again, Josh. You got it. Thanks, Josh.